0: Uh, Bob, taught about, Bob taught about angels last week, and one thing that he emphasized from Hebrews, the Hebrews 1 passage that I found particularly encouraging was that angels are all, and this is the, the language is actually like this in the text, are all ministering spirits sent to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation, which is the church. God made them and dispatches them for those who bear his image and love him. Okay, so it's for man, men, women, children, those who love him. We are the ones the angels serve. And I don't know completely how, but it does fall in line with what Jesus said when he said of the believer. See that you do not despise one of these little ones for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. I'll read what he said again. See that you do not despise one of these little ones for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What could this mean? But that an angel or angels that an angel is stationed at his post for your good and therefore angels are acutely aware of what we are doing and when and if any harm should present itself these that these angels They they see the Father's face and await him as to how they should respond for us. I think that's what Jesus meant. We we read in 1 Corinthians 11 that, that the angels attend this worship service. They're present here while we're worshiping. So surely we're not alone. God, of course, is, is ever present, omnipresent. Who's supposed to learn that again, Dominic? Omnipresent. Ever. Ever present. Present everywhere. I woke you up there, didn't I? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call on you. <laughs> But God also commands his ministering spirits to watch and to act and to fight on our behalf and for the sake of his son's kingdom. Now, mature saints are more aware of this. Mature saints are more aware of this, this... This knowing the nearness of heavenly things, heavenly beings. It comes with time. The heavenly realm seems closer when you you have learned God better. Like Elijah, remember, he, he was kind of unafraid even when he's surrounded by this great army that the king of Syria sent Elijah's got, he's got no real, his knees aren't knocking, right? He's not wringing his hands. Why not? Well, it's because he knew heaven was nearby, very near. And don't you learn in the course of life that it's better to speak into heaven and hear from the Lord than to allow yourself to get all distracted by the things of the world. I mean, we're thick-headed people, but as Christian, you better learn that: that it's far better to speak into heaven and to hear from God than get all distracted with the things of the world. The immature Christian the immature Christian has to learn not to live in the shallows of their busyness, their busyness. Your mind and heart should not always be racing with distractions. Too many of us cannot hear from God because of the noise. Whether it's each day's work, Or world events, or relationships, or entertainment, you name it. With such constant noise comes chaos and confusion and fear. You will allow little time for prayer and reflection. You will not grow in your righteousness either if the things of this world are what you're all about. I tell you what, it can be good things you do. A workaholic, bad idea. Because those are things you keep busy with. Busy, busy, busy with. No time for prayer. I got to keep moving. I'm the kind of guy that if I'm listening to things or walking on a treadmill or driving in a car, I always want to be learning something, right? Busy, 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 noise, noise, noise. That's not all good. It can be good. I remember as a, as a younger man when I first became a Christian, I remember I'd go home and, and my dad he come into the house, and I love my dad, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but first thing he'd do, he turn on the TV. And, and it wasn't because he was going to watch it, just to put noise in the room. I think sometimes we are that way. We'd sooner have the busyness. Smartphone in my face, smartphone in my face, smartphone in my face. We'd sooner have the busyness than to actually spend the time talking with God. Why? Because somehow we think that's a waste of time. Is that incredible? Elijah's helper in that great event where Elijah was not afraid, his helper, he was not a seasoned man of God. And he saw the physical enemy, and he became very afraid. His knees were knocking. Listen to what it says. I just want to read this little paragraph, 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than than those who are with them. Then Elisha, sorry, Elisha, prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This is not to imply, okay, that your physical eyes will get to see the angels of God when you become more mature. Someday you will see them, but likely that will come when you enter heaven. Yet make no mistake, you should sense Heaven's closeness as you grow. As you regularly walk with God, you become aware of His presence more regularly. Your prayers become less quick and hollow, sentencey trapped in your own mind, like you're talking just to yourself, items in a junk drawer that, that are hard to sort out, your prayers actually start to change, to, to get better, to where you are really talking to someone and he is really listening. And it is He, the Lord God, who hears and loves and commands His angels' winds. They serve at His, his bidding speed. Untiring, untiring as the wind. Angels are not clogged with flesh like man. So as Bob said, God gives us great comfort when, we, when, when on the one hand we read, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And then on the other hand, we realize that the good ones, the good angels are on our side. And they look to God to be given the go-ahead to take action. Oh, may we be so ready on earth as they are in heaven. Now, I want you to consider Zechariah in today's text. We'll read that in just a second. He was a mature and faithful man. We learn that from Luke 1.6. Both he and his wife, Elizabeth, were righteous in God's eyes, careful, it says, to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. Zechariah was not a a Sunday Christian with the big smile on his face um, who just followed little rules and regulations and made sure everybody else was following them. He was a heart obeyer, a heart obeyer, not just a rule keeper. His cup was clean on the inside as well as on the outside. He must have been because God considered him righteous. And God doesn't go for facade Christianity. And in verse 18, we learn that both he and Elizabeth were older people. There you go. Horse in the pasture. They were both older people. He said, I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. I've never said that, Tracy, about us. I may say I'm getting older, but I don't ever say you're advanced in years. I keep that my secret. I sure hope the angels have a sense of humor, that they're not completely literalists, right? You know, some people don't have a sense of humor. You say things... They think you're just kind of being serious. They don't catch it. I hope they because they are here. I hope they have a sense of humor. Or I'm going to have to quit joking. But we get this picture of an elderly man who, through the years, must surely have come to appreciate, right, God's nearness, and to understand that there, there is only an unseeable veil, An unseeable veil that separates us mortals from heaven. I don't see the angels right now. Do you? In fact, the veil between the physical and the spiritual was about to show itself thinner for Zechariah than that veil between where he stood and the Holy of Holies. I'm going to read. And I'm going to read Luke 1, 8 through 25. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, Among people, the angel was friendly, but Zechariah was afraid. The angel was from God and therefore on the side of those who fear God. Yet, there is that part of Zechariah that still needs sanctification that part of him that is not compliant with the things of God. We all still have it. It is the guilty conscience part, or at least produces the guilty conscience, that warns us of our mortality, that wishes to hide from holiness, that part that still expects discipline, Isn't it the truth, though, that the more you grow in your faith and the more godly you become, you see more clearly the sin that is still in you? The lot lot fell to Zechariah to burn incense on the golden altar inside the holy place. This was the first room of the temple proper, the holy place. It was not the second room where the ark was located. That was deeper. That was called the Holy of Holies, the throne room, set apart where the high priest, once a year, would go in Zechariah was not going there. He would stay in the first. And there were three items of furniture positioned in this first room. One was the altar of incense, okay, before the Holy of Holies. And then then there was the lampstand. And the third piece of furniture was the table of showbread. Upon the table were kept 12 loaves of bread, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. They would be replaced with fresh loaves every Sabbath, and the loaves that were removed were assigned to the priests to eat in a set-apart place. Upon a lampstand were seven lamps, kept lit by the priests the whole night through. Oil was provided as fuel for the wick to be burned. But the altar of incense was for lighting incense according to a recipe that God prescribed. The incense would produce a sweet-smelling aroma as the fumes ascended toward heaven. And these fumes represented the prayers of God's people. And in the morning and in the evening when they, they lit the incense at those hours the people would gather outside the temple and pray now the jews say the jews say that when a priest was chosen to burn incense in the temple it happened probably only once or twice in their lifetime for there are a great number of priests and so we shouldn't get the impression that zechariah is doing something that he's done often not the case This was a monumental occasion for the old man. Maybe it's happened before. It was an honor, though. And he knew he must be cautious and exact. And So there he was, nearby the Holy of Holies, where that curtain, thick curtain, hung to the ground. About the incense altar, God told Moses, way back, Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. This was given to Moses in Exodus. Well, it was zechariah's task now and even though he was considered a righteous man there can be no doubt that an angel appearing before him in the temple must have bought, must have brought trepidation verse 12 says zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him the priests understood that the presence of God Almighty was just beyond the thick curtain. And they were taught, as we, that God was an all-consuming fire. So you can imagine the appearing of this angel. It could have frightened Zechariah, who maybe thought, did I make a mistake? Have I done something wrong? Inappropriate. Who was that? Uzziah? Was that the fellow's name when they were taking the Ark of the Covenant back um, and it started uh, was on an ox cart or or something and it started falling off and he tried to reach and push it back on and God killed him on the spot because he wasn't supposed to touch it. So did this angel appearing mean that Zechariah made a mistake, that he'd done something rash. The angel Gabriel stood on the right side of the altar of incense, and he spoke to calm Zechariah's fears. Do not be afraid." In fact, the angel tells him, "God sent me with good news. God has answered your prayers." Elizabeth is going to have a son. Angels are powerful. And and though usually unseen, usually unseen, as they said, 1 Corinthians 11 tells us they are present in our worship. Sometimes they are visible. Angels, God sends them at times to destroy and to kill thousands in the visible world. Angels think. Angels reason and communicate. We remember how God had them appear before him in Job chapter 1. Satan and angel appeared along with the rest. And when God spoke to him, Satan, he was lucid and replied to the Lord. What what did they talk about? They discussed mankind, Job in particular. Somewhere it says that people who are made in God's image, who love him, that we will judge angels. Angels. I guess we're special. Certainly it would be unfathomable for God to create angels to just lounge around. Why that would be like putting a horse out to pasture. We mortal men should expect these heavenly beings To be both active and ready. And here the angel Gabriel, who normally stands ready in the presence of God, brought wonderfully satisfying news to the priest. But it was news also important to the salvation of all God's people. You will have a son, and he will turn many of the children of Israel, to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. My son? Indeed, Gabriel was sent to tell the priest of God's forerunner, John. And Gabriel delivered his message. The first advent of Christ, it records more than one instance of angels permeating into the visible world, appearing to people, proclaiming God's good news. This is just one of those instances. It will happen again with Mary and with Joseph and with the shepherds. The episodes are, are quite wonderful, and they're meant to encourage you and I. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would indeed encourage us, that we would be attentive to heaven, to heavenly beings. Uh, More than anything, Lord, though, that we would be attentive to you, knowing that you are the, the commander of those beings, their creator and God, just like you're our creator and God. We all answer to you. It is a privilege to be called Christians, and we thank you for making us part of your family. In Jesus' name we pray.